Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, we have Katie Hunt, and we are so excited to have you on the show. Thanks, guys. I'm excited to be here. Whoop, whoop. It's going to be a showdown. <laughs> All right. A trade show showdown. A trade show showdown. <laughs> so Katie, if you guys don't know, is like on top of it. She knows all of this secret stuff about this whole secret universe that they call wholesale. It is secret. It's a, para- it's a parallel universe, but it's separate from in which we live in today. <laughs> and I don't live in this universe. Nope. And Emily does not live in this universe either. And Katie does. Mm-hmm, and so do. she has the secret knowledge. And so we're super excited to have her talk about it. Well, thank you, guys. It's really fun to be here. I've been – it's hard to believe I've been wholesaling and dealing with the wholesale world since 2009 at this point. (laughs) Makes me feel like an old lady in the industry, but yeah. Oh, (laughs) please. So how did you get into the wholesale market? What sort of led you down that path of teaching? Yeah, so it's actually kind of a, you know – no business is a straight line, right? So I was working in a corporate job in the legal industry of all places. And I was helping attorneys with building their own brands, building their practice areas, and basically positioning each of them as an expert in their own field. And as you can imagine, that was pretty intense. It was pretty long hours, lots of travel, very corporate world. So when I was getting married in 2008, I did my own wedding invitations. And I really enjoyed the design process and creating something that that I could share with my family and friends. And I also created some personalized note cards to give to my bridesmaids. And then the next thing I knew, you know, my world of friends was they were all getting married and stuff. So I started doing things for them. And so I started putting stuff. I've kind of always had the entrepreneurial bug. And even back in the day when I sold like friendship bracelets as a kid, but uh, (laughs) you know how it goes. So I ended up making a bunch of note cards and stuff for friends, you know, mostly just because they wanted them and it was fun. But then I decided to throw things up on Etsy and I started seeing some good traction there. And 
it was mainly a creative outlet at the time. I just wanted something that kind of broke the monotony of my day job and gave me a place to kind of play. And but I also enjoyed the, you know, the business side of it. And that's where my background lies. I actually have an MBA in finance and marketing. And so like, so I love when we say Katie knows her shit. She knows her shit. <laughs> I just I, I geek out on business stuff. I totally love the business side of things. And so anyhow, but I my company was called Kelp Designs. And I, you know, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it big. So I started that business in October 20, 2008. And my mom said, well, why don't you go to the National Stationery Show? If you're going to do this for real, you should Your go there. first year? Yeah. So oh, like, God. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And let me tell you guys, this is not how I recommend anyone does it. No, because no. it was a giant, I mean, looking back, it was a giant flop. And I can say that I mean, I had some sale. I'll tell you a little bit about it. But it, basically in May of 2009, I did my first show and I went and I showed my products. But, you know, I wasn't priced right and I didn't have a big enough line and I didn't know what I was doing. I had done trade shows in my corporate world, but those trade shows are way different than product trade shows. Oh, yeah. If you go to the National Stationery Show or New York Now or any of these, they look like little boutiques, like little pop-up shops. And I want to um, go just to shop. Like, I don't want to do, I just want to like go look at all the pretty things. It's so fun. So I mean, if you are a designer or somebody looking for inspiration, I will say these shows, I mean, they're, they're industry trade shows. So you have to have credentials to get in. But if you're able to get in, they're amazing in terms of inspiration and just seeing what's happening in the design world. So yeah. So in 2009, I launched a wholesale. I did have a few orders at that show, but I also had a whole bunch of mishaps. In fact, on the Saturday before the show started on Sunday morning, we got shut down by the fire marshal because we had used – my sister's an architect, and she had designed all of these like interlocking cardboard display pieces for us. We were going to have this cool little chair that was cardboard and these shelves and everything. And it was very on brand and very fun and cool and different looking. But I didn't have the fireproofing certificate with me at the show. <gasps> And we had we had purchased fireproofed cardboard to do all of this, but for some reason I just had forgotten to bring the paperwork. And it was Saturday, so the company was closed. I tried calling them, and the fire marshal came around, and they're like, "Sorry, this just isn't going to fly. We can't have oh, this." Oh no! Right? Like, I would. I would. What? No. <laughs> Believe me, it was. It you know, I went behind a curtain and cried, like had uh -huh. a real good cry for like twenty minutes, and then you know, I pulled my big girl pants back on, and we took a two hundred dollar cab ride out to IKEA and bought some shelves that were doing the job, but they weren't on brand and they weren't like what I wanted. Oh, oh baby! And, but you know what? We made it happen, and we were there late in the night Saturday. But when the show opened on Sunday, I put on a smiling face and I put my best foot forward, and I yeah. just made it happen. And you know, when you're running any sort of business, you're going to be learning things as you go, you know, and there's going to be mishaps like this one, and you're going to fall on your face at times. But it's about just picking yourself up and dusting yourself off and moving forward. So absolutely. after that show, I ended up doing a blog post for a friend of mine, she was thinking about doing the show and she like wanted all the dirt of like, what do I need to know well, before first, I go? <laughs> the fire marshal's gonna be around. <laughs> right. So know your fireproofing rules and read that. Read the read the manual before you go. But so I wrote up a blog post that I think had like five tips I wish I had known before I'd gone to the show. And and you know, I put a lot of thought and time into this thing and um 
sure enough, it got a lot of traction. And every year when the National Stationery Show would roll around, I would start getting inundated with emails of people that had started Googling, looking for advice on how to do this thing. And they'd write, and it was always the same questions. How much product do I need to bring? How much does this thing really cost? Am I really going to spend like 10 grand on this? And, you know, all of these different things. And so I would sit there and thoughtfully write everybody back, you know, oh, and, and trying to help them out because, you know, I wish I had had that help when I was starting. Yeah. And at one point, it just became too cumbersome. I had a couple of kids at that point and still had the day job. And I thought, you know, let's just get everybody on a call. Let's just get everybody together and let's hash out our questions and share what we know and let's see how we can push each other forward. And so I asked some of my friends in the industry that come from different backgrounds. We had a retailer and a sales rep and a couple other manufacturers that were doing what we do. And we hopped on four teleconference calls. That was the very wow. first boot camp experience, paper camp experience. And it was four teleconference calls in 2011. And yeah, it's it's, it's grown so much. Now we do in-person conferences and e-courses and coaching and all of the things. But you know, the core of what we teach is still that wholesale and, and trade show curriculum of like, if you want to sell wholesale, here's how to do it and every That's little awesome. thing you need to know. So That's incredible. Thank you. Well, it's I think fun. that just proves that there is a way and it, there is a little, I mean, yes, it's an art, but there's also a little bit of science to this oh, yeah. thing. So give us a little bit of dirt. I mean, obviously you're not going to give away the kitchen sink because you'd rather <laughs> What what are some things if I were going to go into wholesale? Let's start that. Let's let's not even talk about trade shows for a minute. Yeah. If I just wanted to start wholesaling mm-hmm. and I have, you know, some products on Etsy and I just want to get my feet wet. How do I even get started selling wholesale? So I would even push it back further than that. And I would tell you, I would tell you, you really need to take a hard look at your product line before you even consider wholesaling. And with that, I mean that I want you to have a significant amount of product in your lineup. You can't really wholesale with, you know, five or six pieces. You want to have a significant amount of product. And in the paper world, we usually tell people you need at least 48 SKUs. And SKUs just means a separate item number, a separate type of product. And you want to dive deeper than that even. You want to know that your pricing is in line with the market. You want to know that your the size of your products or the way that you're packaging them is it is hitting industry standards too. A lot of it has already been tested for you. And so you want to see what the industry standards are and how you can abide by those. So once you've got a thought out product line that really has a nice aesthetic to it and matches your brand and it, it tells its own story really – Because ultimately, you want somebody to walk up and look at your product and be like, oh, yeah, that's Abby's product. You know, I can totally tell by the colors and the styles and like it looks cohesive. You want to know that you've got that extensive cohesive product line and that your numbers are dialed in too before you even jump into wholesale. So one thing I talk about a lot is the pricing. And you need to look at your pricing from two directions, in our opinion. You need to price it from – you need to look at your production costs, meaning pricing and looking at things from bottom up. So every little piece and thing that goes into creating that one product, you want to know what those production costs are. Those are your hard costs associated with creating that product. And then you also want to look at what the market will bear. So for example, in our world, a greeting card will wholesale, a letterpress greeting card, let's say, will wholesale for about $2.50, which means that it hits the retail market for $5 
or more. Some retailers will mark it up even more than that. If your production costs are like $2.30 or something, you are not making any money on that. And so you you really want to try to push down those production costs as much as possible so that you have the largest profit margin to make this a sustainable and profitable business. So before we can even start talking about selling wholesale, you need to know that your production line, your product line rather, is extensive, it's cohesive, and then you also need to make sure that you've got the scalability with your the way you're producing it and and the costs associated with that. Why do you suggest that number of SKUs and that big of a product line for wholesalers? Great question. So the reason you want to have a large enough line or a, in the paper world, 48 SKUs is because as much as we would like them to, no buyer is going to walk into your trade show booth or look at your catalog and say, yep, send me one of everything. <laughs> They're going to pick and choose, right? And maybe they'll choose like 20% of what you're offering. So you want to have a large enough line that they can pick and choose and find enough product that will fit their store, but still meet your opening order requirements. So we're going to talk about terms and conditions a little bit when I give my little strategies, but yeah. you're going to have, there's a couple of things you want to make sure you have with your terms and conditions and it's minimum order requirements, mm-hmm. dollar amount that they have to hit in order to place an order with you. In the paper world, it's typically $150 for a first order and $100 for follow-up orders. But then also minimum order quantities for the cards, for the SKUs. So in, and it varies for every type of product. So if I don't mean to get so nitty gritty here, but no, I like it. Okay. Okay. So for greeting cards, for example, if you have, it doesn't matter how many SKUs you have, but if they want to purchase one of your cards, that says, keep it simple or whatever, happy birthday, whatever it is, they choose one of the cards. They have to buy at least six of those cards. The quantities for greeting cards are sixes or 12, whereas art prints can sometimes be quantities of four or six. So it's kind of an interesting funnel of they have to hit that $150, but they have to have enough to choose from to hit that. Gotcha. And then the minimum order quantity plays into that too. Gotcha. It's it's a multiple layered system here. but No, I like it. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. So if I'm dumb and I'm (laughs) I'm sorry if that was too complex. No, no, no. It was not complex, but it was – it was like a lot of stuff that I feel like if I'm totally new, I'm going to be like, oh, so there's all this industry standard that's just yeah. floating out there. Is there resources? Yes. I mean, obviously, you're an obvious resource. Like, <laughs> Just ask Katie everything. <laughs> well, I actually – I would really encourage people to check out my Creative Live classes. I taught okay. four classes for them at Creative Live last year, and there are four that are centered solely on selling wholesale. They're perfect for beginners, you guys. They're under $80 for all four. And it's like 12 hours of content. Like it's pretty incredible. So the first one is like beginner's intro to wholesale. And then we talk about creating catalogs and those sales tools and everything you need to know, like what your terms and conditions should include. And then we talked about marketing to retailers. And we also talked about working with sales reps because all of these things really play into wholesale. Awesome. We'll pop the direct links to those in the show notes so you guys can go check those out. So I know that obviously a lot of your stuff is geared towards paper goods. Paper camp is what your course is called. Stationary, greeting cards, all that jazz. But is there any sort of opinion or conversation you can have around the idea of other products that are wanting specifically like jewelry or something Mm -hmm. like that, that are wanting to go into wholesale and 
A couple of the strategies that I know a lot of, the, of our people use, they do that grassroots effort at first. They're going door to door at retailers that they know in town. And I feel like a lot of them are getting pushback on, okay, well, I can't commit to wholesale. Let's try consignment first. Yeah. And so what are your opinions on that? And maybe what kind of words of wisdom can you give to that that sure. retailer to Sure. So one thing I wanted to backtrack on real quick is the Creative Live class is not aimed at just paper people. I oh, wanted gotcha. to make it a wider audience. So the the things there will apply to people that are making other types of Beautiful. products. With regards to your question on consignment, I am not a big fan of consignment. Thanks. So for those that aren't familiar, the way consignment works is you as a product maker would give the store your product and you would be paid on it once they sell through it. Now, if that product doesn't sell, or if it becomes shop-worn from people picking it up and handling it, that's the cost you are going to absorb. And so I don't – I much prefer the wholesale model where you sell the store the product and then it's theirs and they can do what they want with it. If it doesn't sell through, it's their burden to carry. You know, obviously we all want our products to sell. But right. but it just – it's it's more simple. The other thing about consignment that is kind of a downer is it requires a lot more tracking and monitoring. You know, either you're going in to see how much – sold or they're having to keep track of, oh, wait, we had how many boxes of cards or how many necklaces and how many have sold. So it just gets really complicated and messy. I, when I was starting out, I did what you mentioned. I did consignment with a few friends that had retail shops and, you know, it worked out fine because I knew them and I didn't feel like I was taking advantage of it all, but it was really complicated. And yeah. it was kind of one of those things where like, I ain't got time for that. So in my opinion, I don't think it's the best way to quote, test the market. I think yeah. that if, if you're selling, I would encourage you to focus on your retail channel and make sure that you're using that retail channel on through your website or through craft shows or whatever it might be to really get a sense of of what your customers are drawn to and what that that side of your business is drawn to because then once you start wholesaling you can tell those retail stores oh these are my best sellers and yeah. these ones are like we can't keep these on the shelf when we do craft shows or whatever it might be and so you're accumulating information that you can then transfer over to how you market to. Well, I think as a business owner, if you don't want to offer consignment, don't let that retailer bully you into offering consignment. Like 100%. stick to what you want to do. Here is your minimum. Here is your package. Here's the option. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Like sell the person, talk to them, come back to them. But if just if you don't offer consignment and that's their only way to work with them, go. Just leave. A hundred percent. You're in control of your business. You set the rules for your business. There is nothing that you have to do because somebody else asks. In fact, when we talk about wholesale too, you know, people will come in and say, I know you said I have to buy this in sixes, but I'd really like it in fours. No, stick to your hands. Yeah, yep. you know, hold your own there. But I will say too that, you know, it's really important to differentiate your sales strategy to the wholesale market is going to be very, very different than your sales strategy to the retail market. Yeah, what I mean by that is your wholesale buyers are interested in the numbers, right? They're interested in how much money they're going to make. They're interested in how much space your product is going to take up on their shelf because they're looking at their store from a you know square footage dollar perspective. Yeah. Um, and also too, they want to make sure they have the right mix of product for their for their customers so that their store has variety. But your retail customers are coming from a totally different standpoint, right? They are the ones that are actually using the products. So they're interested in the aesthetics of it or the function of it or how it makes them feel. So how you approach them for sales is going to be entirely different. 
Well, that's a great point that you bring up. So what sort of statistics, because I love math and I'm all about it. So like if you were to go into that wholesale conversation and you wanted to talk to the person and kind of come in with sales strategies, instead of saying, you know, your normal pitch is talking about how cute this would look in your house or in their Mm -hmm. nursery or on their fridge or whatever. How do you turn that conversation around? What sort of what sort of numbers could you come armed with in that conversation that would help that conversation flow better? Ultimately, your wholesale customers are going to be asking what those numbers I mentioned earlier in that blip of they want to know how much they have to spend to buy in to what you're selling. And they want to know how much your products individually are, because that's going to tell them what they can mark them up to. You know, so there's a term we called keystoning. And that's where you you raise the price. So if you're selling a a product at $3 wholesale, the retailer is going to keystone that meaning double it. And so they'll sell that product for at least $6 in their store. However, if you go to stores in New York or places where there's a higher rent or they're higher overhead, they have more people working for them, they'll mark it up higher than $6. You don't have any control over that. You set your wholesale pricing and then they'll set the retail pricing. Gotcha. But ultimately, they're looking at the numbers. They're looking at, again, how much do I have to spend to buy in? If they're confident with your line and think that their customers will really enjoy it and like it, then, you know, maybe a few hundred bucks isn't a big deal to them. But if they're only seeing a few things in your line that really resonate with them, they may wait to see what else you come out with. And that's where I would also say that regular releases, releasing new product on a regular basis is really important for the wholesale market. So talk to me about, I know you were saying how different markets that have like New York versus the Midwest or whatever. So they may up their price a little bit. If you're wholesaling in, at a couple different retail spots locally, mm-hmm. would would it be smart or pointless or whatever for that business owner to tell or ask the place where they're wanting to wholesale that they choose the price that they retail it at? Because... If that if if a customer finds that person at a pop up shop or on their website or at another retail shop in town, like in the same town, mm-hmm. they want the prices to be consistent in all of those places. Or do you leave it up to the retail spot to decide? You leave that it completely up to the retailers. You set your wholesale price, and they're going to mark it up to whatever they think is suitable for their audience. Now, if you have several stores in the same area carrying your products and one selling it for more, you can tell them that, hey, these other two shops in the area are also carrying my products, but it's not your job to make sure that they're in line with their market. You know, some shops just may have a more high-end customer that's willing to spend a couple bucks more to go to that store and purchase that same notebook that you'd find down the street for cheaper. You just never or no. But yeah, no, when you're selling wholesale, you set that wholesale price and they handle the rest. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. If you're going to have these conversations, I've, I've seen people do it a bunch of different ways. And as a total newbie, I would be totally not sure how to approach a busy yeah. shop owner. Totally. Should, should I, A, walk into the shop with my products and interrupt them in the middle of the day? No. <laughs> <laughs> should I, B, call them on the phone and set up a meeting in advance? No. Then see what do I do? Baby? <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, so we recommend a tiered outreach approach. So the first thing you want to do is introduce yourself to them. This could be via an email. Usually, I say email first and send a link to your catalog and an introductory as to who you are, what types of products you're selling. But again, every. Thing you send to any sort of wholesale customer, any sort of buyer on the retail side of things has to be positioned in a way that 
here's the benefits of buying from me. Here's what you get out of working with me kind of thing. So always keep your buyers in mind when you're reaching out. Don't make it about you. So you want to send an introductory email. Here's who we are. Here's what we're offering. Here's the different product lines. I think they'd fit well with your store, but explain why Explain why you think they'd fit well. Don't just say, I think we'd be a great fit for your store. And then include those sales tools. So a link to your catalog. It can be your online catalog. Maybe attach a few images of your product, some styled photos or something like that. Depending on what type of products you have in the paper world, we recommend sending a little package. You know, it could be some sample product, a couple greeting cards, include a personalized note with that, and send a hard copy of your catalog as well. And then follow back up in a couple weeks. And maybe this time you send a few Instagram images that are all ready to go and they can use those and say, hey, if you use these, we'll give you 10% off your order or whatever it is. You know, make sure to tag us so we see them. There's a lot of different ways that you can get in front of these people, but I definitely, absolutely do not recommend that you just show up and say, hey, do you have some time to talk to me? I hate that. Or call them. I mean, how frustrated do you get when people come knocking on your door at home and you're like, no. I don't know. I don't have time for this. So I have my uh, pants on. Don't right. my door. <laughs> Hold on. I got to put pants on. No, but <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's one thing to email and say, hey, can we set up a time to talk? Or is okay. if they are a local shop, hey, do you take appointments? It's fine to ask, but be prepared that they will more than likely say no because they're busy and they've got a, a lot of stores are getting submissions on a regular, I mean, several a day, whether it's email or hard hard mail. Now, if you are, if you have products that you can't send a sample, maybe it's a high, you know, it's too expensive to send samples out or it's too bulky of a product, then, you know, include a handwritten note and include a copy of your catalog with lots of images in it so they can see your product in use, you know, and make sure to articulate what that minimum order amount is and, you know, make it simple for them to say, yep, I want that on my shelves and let's do this. Awesome. I love it. So much useful information. <laughs> oh my gosh. Guys, yeah. re- pause, replay, pause, replay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take some notes, guys. So I want to talk about, I know at first you said you were doing that same kind of grassroots efforts of like yeah. doing some consignment, doing some wholesale, getting yeah. into some physical places. How long did it take you before you, I know you went to in your first year to Stationary Academy, but um, stationary did you show. have, Stationary Show, yep. sorry. Did it's you okay. have... Were you in any retail locations before you went there? Did you go there just on a whim? And yes. Yeah. So this is a fantastic question. And I appreciate you asking it because I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there about what you need to do and what the proper steps are to take it. So I went on a whim. I didn't have any wholesale accounts under my belt before I went. And in retrospect, I wish I had waited. I wish I had taken the time to reach out to different stores and educated myself better about what was needed to really wholesale. And <laughs> to be honest, that is what bootcamp was built upon. It's all the things I wish I had known before (laughs) I did this. But my point is that you do not have to do trade shows to sell wholesale. In fact, we have had several alumni who came to paper camp expecting to do the show and then walked away and said, nope, we're not ready. We're going to take the next year and we're going to refine our product and we're going to get our mailing list together and our catalogs together. And we're going to reach out to people and start getting our name out there. And then we'll do the show. And a great example of this is E. Francis Paper. They're one of our alums. Allie came to Paper Camp, and we actually just did a blog post about them recently and their journey. And they held off on the show, and they did a really cool mailer to shops with samples. And I think they did a balloon in the box, and it got a ton of like Instagram action after they sent them out. And they did that, I think, in September. And then they went to the National Stationery Show the following May. And at that point, they had several accounts under their – like. I, 
several dozen, I think maybe 50 accounts under their belt. Yeah. That they were already working with before they did the show. So when they went to the show, they had more of a name for themselves. Mm -hmm. They had experience selling their product. They had experience answering the questions from the retailers. They felt more confident. They felt more prepared and they had a really great show too. They picked up a lot more shops. And so my point is, I think that there's this misconception out there that people feel like, oh, well, I have to launch at a show. If you're in the stationary industry, it's the national stationary show. You know, if it's some other industry, it's the jewelry show or whatever it might be. But no, you don't. In fact, I'd encourage you to really dial in on your systems and, you know, how you're structuring your wholesale program. And, and get out there and test the waters first before you invest in a show. Because shows are expensive too. On average, you know, our alumni spend, they spent $8,000 in 2016 to do the National Stationery Show. And that did not include product development. Oh. Because that is a cost of doing business. Like we, we lump product costs into just general business costs. And so that was your booth space and it was marketing and sales tools and it was your travel and lodging. But So you don't want to use something that costs you eight grand to get the kinks out. Like use your local audience, use the people that are definitely going to have a lot more forgiveness for you and that you're doing, you're spending more time on it. So it's not costing you as much money instead of something like the big thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 we do have alums that jump into it and frankly, they've done really well too, but it's also because they've come through paper camp or some other program where they're, they know what to expect and they feel more polished and prepared. So, you know, you got to, you know, what's right for your business and you ultimately have to do what's best for you. But if you can, I would recommend, you know, making sure you've got your wholesale program really dialed in before you start trying to do shows. Now, what about I've heard this theory that okay. you you go one year to the show and you scope it out. Yeah. And then the next year you do the show. A lot of is people that, do that. Is that is that a good move or is that just wimpy or is that (laughs) I think it's a great idea in fact we encourage a lot of people to do that if they're on the fence because again eight thousand dollars for small businesses just starting out that's a lot of money and so yeah no if you if there's a specific show that you're interested in doing I highly recommend you try to get access to that and usually you can call show management and tell them hey I'm thinking about doing the show next year can I get a pass can I get a badge to come walk the show and oftentimes they'll comp your badge and then that way you can walk around and check things out now I will say if you're walking a show there is etiquette you need to follow you need to keep in mind that these people are spending big money to be there so if a buyer walks in while you're looking around please step right on out and give the space they need to do their selling you know if and also be careful not to ask proprietary questions too you never want to ask like oh who does your printing or you know all the things that they could be proprietary information you want to be careful about that so yeah if you will be um walking if anyone's interested in the national stationery show i will be there exhibiting and i we laugh because i tell my alums just send the looky lose down my way i'll 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 answer the questions (laughs) right So, so i'm curious i feel like in a lot of different industries, like, man, you, you said proprietary information. And yeah. so I feel like in some industries, stuff like printing and manufacturing information and all of that is less secretive. But like yeah. the stationary world is like this secret vault of knowledge. And there is so many security codes and no one talks about printers. And if you talk about printing in China, oh my God, someone is going to shoot you. This yeah. is like a major hot topic and nobody talks about it. That and I'm so curious. Interesting. 
why 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 is it so secretive okay well first of all i think it's fascinating that that's the outsider's point of view because in my community we share it all i mean we give them a binder of like 200 pages of like studies and worksheets and vendor recommendations send them to you but seriously what we see is like people asking the questions and I have seen blog posts written, Facebook long threads started of, if you ask me this, it's offensive. I've worked really hard to find these sources. You need to go do the dirty work yourself. And from our community of what we can share, like I can't share, if, if I find the information, I'm just telling from someone else I've heard. I don't know if they're good or not, but I'll tell them to you all day long. Right. So it's not going to be useful to anyone else. But we give, I mean, all of our information that we can. So when I hear that, I'm like, <gasps> kind of hurts my insides yeah, a little bit. I mean, I understand the reasoning behind it because, you know, in the creative world, people are really hustling and trying to create something different and something new. They want to be innovative, right? Right. So if they're working with somebody to create this totally innovative new product, they do want to be first to market to it. They do want to be the one that's kind of spearheading that whole thing. But in my opinion, like – I always tell people, look, if you told three designers to go create something with polka dots, you'd get three very oh, different cards yes, with polka yeah. dots or whatever yes. it might be. And so, yes. you know, it, it. what's the harm in sharing? Because the way you do something is going to be very different than the way somebody else is going to share it. Yep. or do it. But Abby, to your comment about overseas production, I think that that has more to do, the the hesitation to reveal sources there has more to do with the, it's really hard. It's really yeah. hard to manufacture overseas. And your business also has to be in a very specific position to be able to manufa- yeah. manufacture overseas. You have to order in very large quantities and it's a very big cash outlay at the beginning. And so- You know, a newer company is not going to be in a position to do that. And if anyone is interested in manufacturing overseas, I highly recommend talking to Heather Harris of Copper Bottom Designs. She helps manufacturers here in the U.S. connect with factories overseas in India and China. And she's amazing. And she's one of our alums. And she she worked for some bigger companies doing this stuff for a while. So, but I, you know, I don't know. I think it comes. I will say, actually, let let me let me say this. When Mm -hmm. I was beginning. I didn't know what I didn't know. So I think you held on to whatever information you learned very close to the chest because you were like, oh my God, like I, I need to figure this out on my own or whatever. But now there's such a transparency factor and there's so much information available. Why not just share it with the world and, and let yeah. everybody in on it? That's my stance. I don't know. I like, it's, it. I like but to I, hear it from someone else. Yeah. But it's interesting to get that point of view from somebody outside the my world. Right. Well, and I think it might, maybe that's more of a planner world and I know Mm -hmm. that stationary in my eyes is very closely related because it's still paper products in my like they still go to the same show oh yeah we consider all paper goods part of our world I mean gift wrap art prints all of it I agree I think that planners are a different beast I will say that those are also very costly to produce and I think that there's a lot more people wanting to get into that planner space but Mm -hmm. I don't think they realize what's involved in creating that planner space oh no oh no and I know I know many people that do them and it's, yeah it's, and they're beautiful yeah, and they're amazing. My mind. Yeah. They're, they're amazing products but I will say that I, you know I, I can see why some of them want to hold on to that because they yeah. worked really darn hard to make that happen oh, so I want to talk about now say we've made it to the show okay and we've got our tickets we're like ready we're armed what are <laughs> like yeah we're like sweating you got your walking shoes on I got I got my fire marshal certificate. Yeah. I am ready yeah. for this show. Yeah. 
Yeah. Atta girl. What, what did we forget at home? Yeah. What, yes. what should we, like, how should we act? What do we do? What do we not do? Give all the, the questions, down. all the things. Yeah. So first of all, you're not going to leave anything at home. And if you do, you're going to have a backup box at home. This is a great idea from Rachel mm-hmm. Hetzel of Pistachio Press that she shares at Paper Camp where she leaves a box at home with a stack of all of her product in it and her order forms and her catalogs, anything she would need to sell at the show. And she puts a pre-addressed FedEx slip on it addressed to her hotel. So if she gets to the show and let's say her product gets damaged in shipment and it gets wet because there was rain and she carried it on the plane or whatever it might be, she can call her friend or whomever is nearby and say, yes, go pick up the box and send it to me. So first of all, if you forget anything, Get that backup box ready. So hopefully that won't be an issue. But in terms of how to act, you know, be yourself and focus on the relationships. I I think that you've got a few different types of exhibitors. You got the people that are like in the in the booth that are like, hey, how's it going? How, what are you doing? <laughs> like right at the edge of the booth and they like kind of scare people away sometimes because they're so excited. But, you know, let people come in and let them peruse and ask if they need any help. I mean, acknowledge them so they know you're there to help if you need, but don't, you know, braid them with questions and and or scare them away. But, you know, just be yourself. Explain what you're doing and who you are and I like to ask, you know, oh, are you looking for anything particular at the show? And there's been times where when I was exhibiting for my stationery brand where they were looking for gift wrap and I didn't have that. So I'd walk them across the aisle to my good friend Claudia Smith and say, hey, Claudia from Fig 2 has great gift wrap. Go check it out. Let me show you. And I know that sounds counterintuitive that if a buyer walks into your booth that you're going to send them somewhere else. But I want these buyers to know that we want them to find what they need. And if Claudia gets an order and I don't, that's okay too. You know, it's okay. You weren't going to get the order anyways if right. you don't offer it. So right. you exactly. might as well help them out. Well, and it's like you're already at the show. Like you're not going to yeah. magically come out with gift wrap in 2.57 seconds. Like, <laughs> right, right. right. It's marketing just, karma. It's a nice thing to do. And I, I will say it. too, I've had in that situation, that example I just shared, I've had those buyers come back and buy something else from me because they appreciated the fact that I introduced yeah. them to something that they liked. So yeah, I mean, a few things I always recommend, you know, don't eat in your booth. Don't sit on your phone in your booth. Don't, you know, look, look welcoming, but don't look alive, people. eat right. Look alive, but don't look too like, hey, how's it you yeah. know, don't be too aggressive. So how much time, money, effort, is spent on making the presentation? That's a trick question. You know, some people prepare for a whole year, like planning it all out. Some people like me signed up for the show in like January and went in May. (laughs) But you know, everyone's different. And that's going to be determined by all the things you have going on in your business and your life and also what your budget is. I joke that... Doing a trade show is very similar to planning a wedding or remodeling your home. I feel like that, yeah. It is. It's a huge outpour of cash, and it's also a lot of decisions that you have to make. And so I encourage people to focus on the things that are most important to them and to spend their money there and, you know, just be decisive so you can get through things. But I would say you should allot at least like six months worth of planning. And you're not going to be doing something every single day in that six months, but you want to be thinking about things and giving yourself space to breathe and do research and, and think about the things. picture you have. I don't know whose booth it is on your sales page for <laughs> paper camp. Holy stunning. Like yeah, I want to live in that booth. Isn't it beautiful? Like, can that be my office? Right? That was, that <laughs> so was her pretty. first year exhibiting at the show. Oh, How amazing did she do? She did such so a great job. Talented. Oh yes. So I'm a solopreneur. It's my first time at the show. Do I bring other people with me 
Fantastic question. Absolutely. Because you got to go. Can I bring my dog? (laughs) No, you cannot bring your dog. (laughs) You can't bring your dog and you can't bring your babies during setup, although we tried once. But (laughs) um, yeah. So, yes, I would encourage you to bring help because you're going to need breaks to, you know, use the restroom, go get lunch, whatever it might be. There are people that do the show by themselves. And in that case, just make friends with your neighbors and, you know, see if they can cover for you when you have to step out for a bit. But the days get really long and it gets exhausting. You know, you're constantly on and you're constantly talking to people. And if you're an introvert, that gets really Uh, exhausting really fast. And even for extroverts, it's exhausting. So yeah, if if you can, I would definitely bring help. The other thing is when you're setting up your booth, it's a lot of work. And so having extra hands on deck there is helpful. For sure. I love it. Yeah. Well, that was super helpful. I think we should get into our talk strategy to me segment. Sure. I know you've got some awesome tips you're ready to share. Yeah. yeah so strategies for people who want to get started in wholesale. Yeah. So I want to dial this back to earlier in our conversation because I really don't want people jumping into shows unless they've focused on their product and really streamlined what they're offering for their wholesale program. So I've got four tips right here that I want to help get you started in wholesale. The first is to focus on your product first. And by that, I mean you need to have an extensive, cohesive product line. You want to have a large enough line that buyers can pick and choose what they buy and still meet your minimum order requirements. Um, You want to make sure that your products follow industry standards for your market. And that's going to vary depending on what you're selling. So make sure you're doing your homework there. And then you want to make sure that your pricing is working for wholesale. If you price your your products too low, you're not going to make any money. But if you price them too high, nobody's going to buy it. So you want to make sure that you're finding that sweet spot between the two where you're still making a healthy margin, but you're also not pricing yourself out of the market. And frankly, I could have a whole big long combo just about pricing with you guys. (laughs) But my second tip is do not underestimate the importance of your wholesale sales tools. And by that, I mean setting your terms and conditions and creating a catalog are the two most important ones. Both of those pieces make you look polished and professional, even if you're brand new to wholesale. It makes you look like you've been doing it forever. So fake it till you make it, guys. Yep, that's what we do. Yeah. (laughs) And then number three is that selling wholesale requires a completely different sales strategy than selling retail. I already touched on this a little bit, but your wholesale buyers, they're interested in very different things than your retail customers. So you want to make sure that any messages you're sending to your wholesale buyers are different than your retail customers. So if you are selling to both, you want to make sure you have different email lists for both and the things that you're sending out, make sure they're relevant for the audience. How you approach these markets will be different, but we always tell our paper camp students to make it as simple as possible for those retailers to purchase from you. So give them the tools they need. Love it. And then my fourth and final for now, I've got lots to share, but for now, is start small and focus on quality over quantity. So, you know, wholesale is a volume game. And, you know, I'd much rather you have a small and well-researched list of prospective stores that you're reaching out to when you're starting out. If you have a list of a thousand stores, like you don't know if they're the right fit for you. There's less chance you're going to get there. So you're kind of spinning your wheels in that case. So focus on reaching the right audience. It'll lead to more sales. It'll lead to stronger relationships with your buyers and hopefully larger and more frequent orders too. Love it. 
Oh you guys, gosh. seriously. Like I learned so much and I don't even want to go into wholesale. But I'm like, <laughs> oh, the pants off me, but I'm uh-huh. like, you, the, all the people who want to do this, I'm like, this is so much good information. Yeah. And I still have like 50 more questions. So I maybe do. we'll have Katie back on for part two. Oh, I think we're going to have to. There's, there's so many other things I want to ask her. So if you have questions for Katie, where are all the places we can find you at? Sure, sure. So we're online at tradeshowcamp.com. And everywhere socially is the same, Trade Show Camp, no boot in there. But yeah, we're on Instagram. That's our, our favorite place to hang out. And then our website. And we have a blog that has a lot of great info, too, for anyone that's interested in wholesale. So you can link through our website to get there as well. Awesome. Well, thanks Woo! so much, Katie. We had a blast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Awesome. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.